Do you look at your mountain of goals and feel stuck? Or have you already achieved great things and yet you know there's still more? Then you've come to the right place. We're here to offer practical tools and tangible strategies to change your mindset. And challenge you to produce a life beyond the norm. I'm Nate. I'm Laura. Welcome to the Transcendence Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Transcendence Podcast. This week we are talking about Enneagram Type 8, The Challenger, which Nate, that's actually your number, so I'm sure you're really excited to talk about this number today and this type and what it means to be a Type 8. It's funny you say that because a Type 8, as we get into this, you're going to see that they don't like being vulnerable. So as much as I'm excited to talk about the positives of Type 8, I really cringe every time I have to hear about the negatives of Type 8 because we don't like sitting in our own insecurities. (laughs) So just to describe the type eight in short, they are the powerful dominating type. They are self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. So their basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others. Their basic desire is to protect themselves. They want to have control over their own life and their destiny. Their key motivations, what drives them, is that they want to be self-reliant, They want to prove their strength and resist weaknesses, to be important in their world, and lastly, to stay in control of their environment. Yeah, you're going to see that guard come up for a lot of type 8s because they don't want others to know their weaknesses. A type 8 is very aware of weaknesses. It's very aware of their own weaknesses and the people around them and their weaknesses. And whenever they're able to find weaknesses, they know weaknesses can be used to control people. And since their biggest fear is being controlled, they like to hide their weaknesses because they know you people can utilize those. So it's very hard for them to open up to people. Now you're going to see their deadly sin is actually going to be lust and not lust in a sexual way. It's a lust for intensity. They want an intense life. They want to, they want everything to be multiplied by 10. Mm-hmm. So they want every experience to be adrenaline filled or at the top notch performance and they're going to lust for the best in things. So when they're looking to buy a new pair of shoes, it better be the best pair of shoes. If they're looking to buy a new car, it better be the best car with the most features and the best performance. That's the, that's the deadly sin that can get them in trouble because it can oftentimes cause overspending or going too far with things, or it could even get them hurt when they're trying to do intensity and experiences. So as you know, one of the books that we really recommend, which is a great beginner book for learning about the Enneagram, is The Road Back to You by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stable. And I'm going to read a short excerpt from the beginning of the chapter all about type eight. And this is how an eight would describe themselves. Doing things halfway is not my spiritual gift. I enjoy a good verbal skirmish just to see what others are made of. I can sniff out other people's weaknesses the first time that I meet them. When I walk into a room, I know immediately who has the most power. Don't mess with the people I love. And lastly, under my tough exterior is a tender, loving heart. Yeah, I mean, we definitely see a lot of that come true in our own life as there's times where I, as an eight, will love to just pick a random debate just to have a debate. Yes. Just to go back and forth sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't matter. I know when we first moved in together, right after we got (laughs) married, Laura and I had a whole disagreement on where to put the cups (laughs) in the cabinets. And honestly, I didn't really care. I didn't, honestly, I didn't really care. I just wanted to prove why my way was right and just wanted to have the debate just to have it. But you're going to see some key leaders in history actually be eights. You're going to see people like Franklin Roosevelt, Dr. Phil, Hmm. Queen Latifah, Martin Luther King Jr. 
all of these people were eights, and there's plenty more examples too. So moving right into the wings, we have our eight wing seven and the eight wing nine. Your eight wing seven is the maverick. They're more extroverted, enterprising, energetic. They're quick. They can be materialistic, power seeking, and sometimes egocentric. Your eight wing nine is the bear. They're more mild mannered. They're gentle, receptive. They are comfort seeking, people oriented, and quietly strong. So you can see the diversity between the two of those. Yeah, one of the simplest descriptions of the two different wings um, someone actually shared with me, a mentor of mine, talked about an eight wing seven being a lion in the wild and an eight wing nine being a lion in the zoo. A lion in the zoo is perfectly tame and perfectly calm as long as you don't step inside their territory. The moment you step in their territory or in their cage in the zoo or their habitat, they will attack and they will defend. But an eight wing seven is like a lion in the wild. They're out for a hunt. They're looking for something to attack. They are seeking something. Um, They're not waiting on it to come to them. Getting into the subtypes of a type eight, the social subtype is going to use their power and their influence to service others. They're going to be loyal and they're going to be protective. They focus on shielding the people in their life from any kind of injustice. They appreciate tough feedback from those that are close to them as they do want to get better on how they can protect and how they can service the people in their life. The intimate type eight are going to have the strongest antisocial tendencies where they like to stick on their own or their close group of friends. They're going to be in more intensive and more passionate than any of the other type eights. So they're going to be the ones that are also very rebellious because they want to be seen as a rebel or a trailblazer. They enjoy having the power in situations, and they're unapologetic whenever they're chasing after what their vision is. The self-preservation ones are going to focus on survival. They will get their needs and their resources, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and they will do whatever they have to to make sure that they survive. They'll move forward without guilt or apology, too, just like the intimate ones as they achieve what they desire. They just, their main focus is survival and getting the resources that I absolutely need. Whereas the intimate ones are passionate about what they want. So it's a big difference there is one's need and one's want. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to have a podcast really diving into the difference of wants and needs. Um, But that's a big separating between the intimate and the the self-preservation there. Now, their intelligence center is going to be one that we haven't heard of in a while because the last episode that we talked about this intelligence center was actually the type ones. And that's going to be the instinctual or the gut triad. They're going to be the ones, the eights and the nines. They have distortions with their instincts. They're concerned with the intelligence of their body and they want to feel being alive. They want to feel connected and they want to feel one with things. When they are being present, they exhibit more confidence, more fullness, and more existing where they can actually feel life more. And as we finish up the Enneagram in a couple episodes, before we get out of self-awareness, we're going to talk about emotional awareness and how we can feel our emotions. These are going to be the types that feel emotions the most. Now, their common emotion is anger, and they all act on anger in different ways. We talked about the one, the very first type, about how they internalize anger. They repress it, and they hide it away until it boils up, and then they act upon it. Eights are going to be the opposite. They're going to be the ones that quickly and rapidly externalize their anger. Now, they're going to keep their guard up from their weakness, like we talked about earlier, because they do not want people to control them, but it typically arises, this anger typically comes out when they sense some sort of injustice, either to themselves, their loved ones, or someone that they see as innocent. You're going to see they're going to be the most protective of small children, of animals, of loved ones. Anything that they see as innocent, 
they're going to be extremely protective of and do not want any injustice to come to them. Now, some of their strengths is that they're courageous, they're truthful, and they're determined. Some of the challenges is that they can be excessive, just like the seven that we talked about last week. They can be dominating and they do avoid vulnerability at all costs, which oftentimes inhibits them from actually building a deep relationship with someone. Now, their harmonic group is how they deal with conflict. They're going to be very similar to the fours and the sixes. These are what are known as the reactive group. They have very strong reactions and emotions whenever they're faced with conflict or disappointment. What you're going to see is the fours withdraw and seek someone to rescue them. The sixes, they assess the situation. They seek independence, but also seek support. They talk about that balancing beam that we talked about a couple weeks ago. The eights are the ones that openly express anger. They oftentimes react to conflict and disappointment with anger, and they seek full independence and self-reliance. They don't want, to, they don't want any support. They want to guard their self. They're going to keep their guard up and toughen themselves up against any pain, and they're going to act to try to change the situation and usually comes through as anger. My advice to you, type eights and fours and sixes, for that matter, anybody in this group, you tend to overemphasize your emotions. And sometimes you do this without even the concern of your own needs or the other's needs or the other's feelings around you. So before you act impulsively, sit back and think, how does this affect everybody? And then act. We hope you are enjoying this Enneagram series. In a better effort to serve you guys, our listeners, we would love to have you send in any questions that you might have regarding the Enneagram, whether it be about your type, maybe which number is most compatible with yours, or maybe a topic that we haven't quite covered yet. After this 10-week series, we're going to be doing a Q&A episode on our YouTube channel. Make sure you're sending in all your questions through our DMs on Instagram. Now, the Horny Vegan Group is how you work with others to get what you desire. And they're actually going to fall in the same group as the threes and the sevens. This is known as the assertive or the aggressive or the intense group. These, again, like we talked about last week, are the group that they affect the world more than the world affects them. That's what they're known for, going in the world and changing things in their behalf. This group is oftentimes very energetic and independent, but can be demanding and may not follow through on things. Now, out of the three different types there, the eights probably follow through the most on things. Um, but there's still going to be times where they're going to get it all the way up and then just try to delegate the end. They're going to lead the charge and they're going to delegate the end so they can lead the charge somewhere else. So that's what you got to be careful of if you're an eight. The threes do this to try to gain attention. The sevens do this to try to gain security. And the eights do this to try to gain autonomy. They believe everybody should be self-reliant and everybody should be able to protect what they have and take care of themselves. And that's what they're hoping to gain whenever they assert themselves. They feel that they can teach people how to control themselves and control their life. So what does it mean to be a healthy type eight? A type eight, when they're at their healthiest point, can actually achieve true heroism and historical greatness. It's when they're willing to put themselves in harm's way and willing to be vulnerable in order to finish out and follow through on their vision. They become very self-assertive, self-confident, and strong. They're the natural leaders that are decisive, authoritative, and can take initiative to make things happen. Whenever they're in a healthy state, though, their growth number is a two, the helper. You're actually going to see they're going to be more service-oriented and going to be focused on helping others. When I say historical greatness and heroism, it's about creating a better environment for more than just themselves. Their vision is greater than themselves when they're in a healthy state. It's about creating a, a greater universal value for people. 
the average aides are still going to be very self-sufficient, still going to be very financially independent. They're not going to rely on other people. They're going to be risk-taking, hardworking, but they're going to deny their needs. They're going to, you know, oftentimes you'll find some aides will deny their physical needs where they won't sleep, or they're going to deny their nutrition where they're only going to eat what they need to because they want to stay financially independent and they can't ask for help. So an average eight is sometimes can push off their own needs to still become independent and self-reliant. They're going to become dominant in their environment and they're going to try to rally the support of others in their vision. And with an average eight, you're going to see that they're going to, they're going to try to bring other people to help their vision, but they're not going to reciprocate any value. They're just going to assume that people are going to follow them because their vision's the ultimate vision. Whereas a healthy eight will bring people in to support their vision, but will also support back. And that's kind of the difference of getting from average to healthy. Now, an average eight can still be a little boastful, can be forceful, and can be expansive. They're going to focus their vision above all. Now, an unhealthy eight becomes highly combative in order to get what they want. So if they don't get their way, it will be a fight, and it will be a fight until they get their way. They use threats to get obedience out of people. They become more ruthless, and more of those traits of a dictator that you hear about you know, in other countries and everything. They're immoral and can become potentially violent. They develop a delusion of invincibility and power, that they have the ultimate power. So you're going to see there's such a drastic difference from a healthy eight to an unhealthy eight. I feel like some of the types, there's not a huge difference, but for an eight, it's true heroism or historical greatness or potentially violent dictatorship. And something to remember is that, you know, when we're talking about healthy, average and unhealthy for each type, this isn't where you're stuck at. This is something that's going to fluctuate constantly. Yes, your number is not going to change. But as far as where you range on the healthy to unhealthy scale, this will fluctuate, you know, depending on what life is throwing at you, you know, in the current moment, how your day is going. This can fluctuate even throughout, you know, a 24 hour period, right? Yes, this is going to be your day-to-day choices that keep you in one of these states. Yeah. And it's all about developing habits that keep you in a healthier state rather than an unhealthy state. Now, for the type 8, the stress number is going to be a 5. That's when they become secretive and that's when they become fearful. They cower away and they stick to just themselves because that's the only person that they trust. You're going to see a healthy type 8 is going to trust a lot of more people. And they're going to get a lot more trust from people because they trust people and because they're vulnerable and open. So, Laura, give us a few tips on how we can stay in a healthier state. Yes. So for the type eights, while this can be very difficult for you, learn to yield to others, at least occasionally start there. Sometimes you want to be the one to make the decision and just to say, you know, no, this is how it's going to go. But it's okay to let other people make the decision, let other people have their way and recognize that, you know, when you're doing this, you're not sacrificing your power or your real needs. The desire to dominate all the time is a sign that your ego is getting too big, that it's inflating. Yeah. Healthy eight knows when to take the lead and when to support the lead. Right. And they can support the lead very strongly and can actually be a great example of a best follower and a best servant as well. But you have to be vulnerable enough to admit that you're not the leader in this situation. Yes, a healthy eight will also recognize when you need to submit to authority and when 
you know, it's okay. This person is is supposed to take the lead. And they'll also know when, okay, you know, no, it's my time to take the lead in this. And this is a really good thing to remember in your place of work. You know, respect the people that are above you, even though in your mind, you might think you have a different um, idea or a better way to go about something. You still need to respect the leadership above you, right? Yeah. Secondly, remember that the world is not against you. One of the things that eights struggle with is trust as well as a six. And so sometimes you can feel like you can't trust people around you. But the reality is that many people in your life, they care about you. They look up to you. Let that affection in and remember that it's not a sign of weakness, but it actually confirms the strength and support that you provide in your life, in other people's life. And take stock of the people that are for you and let them know how much you truly care about them. Yeah, the eight's big thing is they want to be seen as that protector, that provider. But especially when you talk about your relationship with your spouse or with your family members or with your closest friends, if you're not vulnerable, you cannot build strong relationship. And when you can't build strong relationship, they don't see you as the ultimate protector because they don't even trust you enough until they actually get to know you. So let down your guard with those certain people in your life that you choose. Hey, these are going to be my closest people. Yes. And lastly, eights typically want to be the self-reliant and independent type. They don't want to depend on anybody else. But ironically, type eight, you actually do depend on other people, not in a way of, you know, relying on other people to get you where you need to go. But the fact is, whether it's in your business world, whether it's in just everyday life, your self-sufficiency is largely an illusion. You know, whether you realize it or not, you depend on other people. I mean, think about how the world works. You know, you're always depending on someone else to get you to the next place. And something I challenge all eights with is I challenge you to not become a leader of followers. It's easy to lead followers and you become dependent on followers to give credibility to your Mm -hmm. leadership. But if you want true credibility, it means you need to lead leaders. And that means that you're going to have to give up some control because when you lead leaders, sometimes they're going to go out and do their own thing. They're not going to listen to every word you say because they're leaders themselves. But when you can lead leaders is when you achieve great things and not just live in the mundane and don't and actually gain more credibility from your leadership. So that wraps up the type eight, the challenger. Next week, we're going to be talking about the type nine as we wrap up the Enneagram series, the peacemaker. We're so excited to be wrapping this up. And don't forget that we are going to be doing a Q&A all about the Enneagram after next week's episode. So send in your questions, send in, you know, you know, if you have a relationship with another number, maybe a spouse, maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend, and you have a specific question, or maybe there's something that you know about the Enneagram that we didn't quite touch on, send it in. We want to know, we want to give you all the information that you are seeking. Thank you so much for joining this week's episode. We hope you've learned something new that you feel challenged and leave inspired. If there's a part of this episode that stuck out to you, be sure to screenshot the podcast, post it on Instagram, and tag us in it. Let us know what captivated you. Speaking of Instagram, we would love to connect with you and make sure that you're one of the first to know of our new episodes and exciting updates. You can follow me at It's Laura Stevens. And I'm at the period Nate Stevens. If you found value in this podcast, remember to leave us a rating or review. This will allow others to see what they can benefit from this podcast as well. Join us next week as we continue to live a life beyond the norm.